Hello and welcome to The Lost Button, the podcast for young people figuring out their future life and career. I'm Liz. And I'm Connor. And we're here to help you navigate all the big decisions you have to make about your future and create a path that's right for you. Each episode, we're going to tackle some of the biggest questions and challenges Gen Z are facing about their future, from finding a job you're passionate about to managing stress and burnout. Welcome back, everybody. Today's episode is all about redefining what success looks like to you and going against the traditional path that's been written for your future. Hey, Connor, how are you going? Yeah, pretty good, Liz. It's great to be back. It's funny that we talk about redefining success and sort of school success. For me, the ATAR experience was a nightmare. I don't know about you, but the question I have for you (laughs) is, would you rather do ATAR again? Or be tortured. Your segues are getting like smoother and smoother as we go on. (laughs) I have a controversial answer as usual, (laughs) but I actually really liked Year Twelve. I think I would do. I think I would do it again, and only because like I. I think I was at my best in year 12 in terms of like how hard I worked. I couldn't do that again in terms of like now I couldn't sort of, yeah, perform at that level because I just got so burnt out. So I would would love to do it again and be at Mm. my peak. Wow, that's a a very interesting perspective. It's funny you say you couldn't do it again. I definitely couldn't do it again. I would rather be tortured because that ATAR was psychological torture. I mean, it wasn't like, it wasn't that bad. I'm being a bit dramatic here. Um, But I think, you know, it's just such a controlled environment. Mm -hmm. Like going to school, the same, you know, classes, it's like a machine. Mm -hmm. I really like being at uni being an adult and you have that more flexibility yes. i don't think i could go back to such a you know structured environment again yes this is, this is true and actually maybe that part for me comes from like when you run your own business like mm. it's the total opposite right like no one's telling yeah. you what to do so sometimes it's actually nice for someone to be like hey like do this, do this. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. you have to make all those decisions for yourself so Give you some structure yes <laughs> um now talking about you know ATAR pathways a lot of people have a traditional path that they're encouraged to follow Mm. did you have a traditional path that was written for you yes totally um and I've talked a bit about this before but my my path I think was really like get a really good ATAR like not just any ATAR get like a 99.9 ATAR if you can Mm. get (laughs) get into a good university get you know into like one of the top courses and then do a job that's considered successful like being Mm. a lawyer a doctor or an engineer I think because I'd sort of been labelled as like smart, then there was that pressure to just do something that smart people do. It wouldn't people would have said, you know, like if you, if I'd chosen something else, that it was like a waste of potential. marks, waste of potential, yeah. right? And it's I a know dangerous term that gets thrown around a lot. Yeah, definitely. And I know like that not everyone can relate to that experience, but I think we can all relate to people kind of setting expectations of us. And then if you actually want to go against that, like how stressful that can be and how much um, pressure there often is whether it's from like your school your friends or your family to go a certain way breaking free from that's really difficult what about you was your path similar or different (laughs) yeah definitely I feel like like a lot of people have that pressure from their parents Mm. like their parents are like this is the path that you should do Mm. because you can for me it was more just like from friends like a lot of my friends were doing the traditional path 
And again, like being labeled as like a smart person or a nerdy person, um, it was sort of expected that I would do medicine, dentistry, law, that sort of thing. Um, so definitely more like social pressure rather than pressure from family. Mm. But you, like, I knew that those fields weren't going to make me happy. So it take you have to be able to define su- success on your own terms. I think I totally agree. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's it's a tricky thing to do. But where do, where do you think these traditional ideas of success come from? Yeah, you've, I think you've touched on some, like your friends, your family, like often it's kind of just implied, like you said, like most kids from my school, like went to university. So I was never exposed to like other pathways that were out there. Like if I'd actually wanted to do something very different, I didn't really know what TAFE was about or what options there were. Like it just meant that it ruled out so many different types of careers that I might have yeah. liked. So I think sometimes it's just implied. And I think now, like, we can't not talk about social media in this as being, like, such a big influence on what people think it means to be, like, successful and be happy and have a good life. Like, it is so much of it now is what we see on our screens, like, the accounts that we follow. Influences. Literally, like, the people that we look up to and look at all the time, Mm. they kind of are dictating what success is in part. That's sort of my thoughts anyway. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think, you know... For me, it's hard for young people to not follow trends, mm. right? Because humans are naturally social and they want to yes. fit in. Especially mm. when you're young. like Because yeah. you're, you're trying to find yourself and, and whatnot. Yeah. So it's scary to be different, right? Yeah, yeah. it is. And you know, at the moment, people can't travel and find themselves. So they're turned to social media to do that. Yeah. But, you know, you've done a lot of reflection. What do you think it means to be successful for you now that you know more? Yeah. Yeah, I, a big part of this for me came from like when after year 12, like I'd gotten these great marks, but then I was really burnt out. Like, you know, honestly, like I was physically and mentally just exhausted. Mm. And it meant that I had to shift my idea of being successful from being like, get good grades, keep getting good grades at uni, get a good job. I think I just became a bit disenchanted by that because I was like, I, I've achieved that and I'm not happy. And that was really a big moment because people would kind of go talk to you like, oh, but you should be happy. Like, aren't you excited? Like, and you're like, no, I'm exhausted. You spend all your time working for that one moment. And I think that's something that we often do is that we pin all our hopes and focus on like, say, yeah, getting that dream job or graduating from uni. And you put so much pressure on yourself, like for that to be success and for you to enjoy that. But if you get there and you don't actually you're not you know happy then you feel Mm. like you failed and for me like success has changed from being less about what other people think and can see it's a lot more about like fulfillment so actually me and myself feeling fulfilled and I think what's interesting with that is it's not necessarily about being happy like all the time fulfillment is more about filled with purpose like you can go to work and something go wrong and you know you can still have a bad day and not necessarily be happy but Mm. you can still be fulfilled by like your life and the Mm. people and the work that you do yeah and what about yourself what does success look like now yeah (laughs) I think I think success you know used to be about achieving and Mm. like ticking off I think some people have like boxes they try and tick like oh I'll be successful when I get a car when I get a house when I'm in a relationship it's like contingent right Mm. on yeah yeah it's like conditional yeah. happiness. But for, for me, it's, it's, it's really about being present. Mm. And I've done a lot of work psychologically to, to become 
much more balanced and to be present with the moment. And I think being able to have that perspective and balance has been the biggest thing because I actually used to get more done in a day Mm. or do more things, but I would get less done. Mm. Whereas now I'm very intentional about what I do. And that's coming back to the idea we discussed before about being able to say no to things is critical. But you're like, how do you deal with the pressure? Because obviously there would have been, even with what you're doing now, mm. is kind of like a non-traditional startup path. Yeah. How did you manage the pressure from family and friends? I think for anyone who's like thinking, you know, I want to go against what is expected of me. For me, that was, for example, like I got a job offer for like a really great company and it was kind of, it was by accident, it, as in I applied, <laughs> so bad, I know, it was, I applied for like a scholarship and yeah. instead they get like offered a job basically. That's a good bonus. Um, it was a nice bonus for sure, but it actually really rattled me because I had been so focused on like, I'm going to do my business, like mm. that's what I'm going to focus on. And then suddenly like I had this thing that it people would just think you're crazy to say no to this kind of job offer it was like what like as if you would even consider that and so for my parents and my like especially my family would sort of say like how can you sort of trade up like making so much money yeah so much job security so much sustainability for doing something that there's so much risk involved in just because it makes you happy (laughs) like that was like a crazy trade-off for a lot of people but because I really knew that's what I wanted to do. Mm. Like I kind of had just had to accept that consequence. Um, but I would say it's not, it's just not easy. Like, it, but because yeah. I'm fulfilled by what I do, it's okay. Like you're always gonna face people that don't get it mm. um, and don't understand, but that's why it's all the more important to find the people that do and really like have them around you to support you and back you and back yourself. Cause at times like, yeah. you know, if you're going against what people think you should do, you, it might be lonely, right? Like you might- 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I've definitely faced that too. I think, well, for me, I'm kind of, kind of at the point where I've done a bit of both. So mm-hmm. I am going to the more traditional path next year, mm-hmm. but I definitely want to do both. Like yeah. I think I think things can be in phases as well. Because mm. I do like, you know, the security of a traditional job, which is obviously probably the main appeal of it. Mm. But at some stage, I would love to get like back into startups. Like that's my true yeah. passion. So it, it really just depends like on the phase of, of your life that you're mm. into. You might find in a few years that, you know, the totally. constant sort of sales process and pitching that you have to do gets exhausting. Mm. And then you try a traditional job for a while. But mm. I think... Yeah, it comes back to working out who you are yes. and you have to really do that, which a lot of people don't want to do because it's yeah. scary, but that's how you get fulfillment and can also have arguments against pressures Yes, exactly. because you've sort of tested exactly. or um, have evidence to back up your plan. Yeah, and I think I meet a lot of people who are in the boat of, you know, like they don't like what they're doing perhaps, like they're in a job that they're like, this isn't fulfilling me. And for them, they don't have a plan B. Like they don't know, they'd rather stay in that job even though they don't like it because they can't think of what they'd be doing instead. And Mm. I think that's why it's really important to just like make time, even if it's 10 minutes in your day, to actually just thinking and reflecting on what 
do I want? Like, what you know, what are my goals outside yeah. of what everyone's telling me? Like, if it didn't matter what people thought of mm. me, if it didn't matter, um, if no one else was going to know, like, what would I really love to do? And just yeah. trying to create some space, maybe a particular, you know, if there are particular people or things that are influencing you more than others, like... For me, for example, being at uni was really hard because then I sort of stopped prioritising, like, getting good grades, but everyone else around me was focused on getting good grades mm. and, like, getting a job, and I didn't want that at that time. So it was easy, though, to kind of doubt yourself and, like, fall back into what everyone else was doing. So I think kind of, like, making space that's sort of yours and protected and your own sort of place to actually, you know, remember what success looks like to you is really helpful um, one way that a lot of people define success is ATAR or they think ATAR will have mm. a significant impact on their success in mm. life and certainly in high school it may appear that way. So how important was you know getting good ATAR for you and how has that actually translated yeah. to the real world? Yeah I can't ignore like the privilege that you get when you get a great ATAR like it for me it did actually open doors because in particular of a scholarship that I got but I will say that like the amount of people that will even just get a scholarship through the ATAR is so minute. Like, it's mm. such a small pool that... So, but so many pe- people kind of talk about, you know, yeah, like, getting great ATAR can open doors for you. But I found that to be really overwhelming because it was, like, mm. all these options are available to me, but I have no idea still which one to choose. So yeah. I don't necessarily think it makes that side of things easier. I think, for me, it definitely taught me, like, the process of getting it gave me a work ethic like that is what I can always say was really valuable is that it taught me how to work hard but if anything it taught me to trust my myself and like my own gut because kind of through that process of getting great ATAR I lost track of like myself like I didn't spend time on things I enjoyed or loved or was passionate about or you know and so that whole period of my life like I think that impacted me feeling more lost when I graduated because it had been a while since I'd actually like thought about what I was interested in I think lots of people kind of have that too is that year 11 and 12 can be like this tunnel of (laughs) you know trying to get to the end and then you get there and you're like now what (laughs) yeah it's 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 very disconcerting yeah yeah Yeah, so for me I thought it would have a much bigger impact on my life than it has Mm. uh it definitely helped like you said with a few things like scholarship and tutoring Mm. like it was good because I could get tutoring but very small compared to I've gone for jobs, like grad jobs this year, yeah. um, and only one out of 30 places asked oh my gosh. for my no ATAR. One no one, no no one, one really cares. Like, <laughs> unless there's a certain course that you want to get into, yeah. it doesn't have a significant impact. And, and also, even then, it mm, doesn't. Like, even then, like, there's always a way around it. Yeah. Um, but also, you have to remember that, like, schools have a, um, like, th- one of their key KPIs is a median ATAR. Mm. So schools are obviously pushing for everyone to do their best, for the school's sake. And I think, you know, it's good to try your best, but it definitely doesn't define you. No, and I think, it, like, the takeaway for me is really that success should be on your own terms, like, because that ultimately is going to what it's going to be what makes you happy like if you're constantly you know defining your life and like your worth by other people's ideas of what success looks like you're never going to be happy because those moments where you achieve that goal like they take up like one second the part that takes up so much time is the process years 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 right like 
to actually getting that success takes up so long. And so you've got to make sure that you enjoy the process. Like it's cliche, but actually enjoy the journey um, because that's what makes up most of your life are those experiences. So don't just wait for, you know, that 99 or whatever it is for you right now um, to be happy because, yeah, that's, it's not where you're going to find it. Yeah. Well said, Liz. Now it's time for the lost and found. Even though being lost is a problem that young people across the world are facing, it can be easy to feel like you're the only one. Each episode will bring a young person on the show to share their story and the challenges they're facing about their future. The guest for today's episode is Dylan, a 23-year-old photographer, DJ and final year university student. Hey Dylan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, man. Yeah, no, thanks a lot for joining us. We really appreciate you know you're sharing your story and being part of sort of this journey with us. So yeah, would you be able to tell us a bit about yourself and you know how your journey was after school? Yeah, of course. So I'm Dylan Gibbs. I'm a DJ and a photographer. Um, and I guess my journey through school started uh, as a pretty lost young person. I was um, fresh out of some pretty hard subjects and I was happy with how I went but that sort of didn't lend itself to an obvious path moving forward. So instead of diving into a degree straight away I thought I would take some time for myself and take a gap year to just try some new things, meet some new people, talk to other people about um, you know people way further through their careers than I was and sort of see what parts of their life I was looking up to and what I wasn't and so that I could start to say uh, this is what I want and this is what I don't Mm. Um, because there was no point for me in diving straight into a degree I wasn't sure of and I didn't want to start something I didn't finish and so I spent that time yeah DJing taking photos like pretty much straight away like even in my summer holidays I was offering all my friends parties like every party I got invited to I said do you need a photographer? <laughs> and I was just like hustling from that perspective for quite a while um, until I could start charging. And then that led me into a lot of c- circles that also uh, lend themselves to DJing as well. So I had a lot of serendipitous uh, encounters that led to getting booked for various events and stuff, um, which you know led from me moving slowly from the private event space, like 21st and 18th and mm-hmm. stuff like that, into more of the club scene and doing a lot of regular work, which was kind of the backbone of what made me commit to DJing and photography kind of simultaneously as more than just hobbies. Mm -hmm. Because I started to realize like, hey, listen, like I've got friends doing part-time jobs and I'm earning comparable amount. Yeah. Why would I sacrifice my lifestyle for less money? Like that just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Yeah, and you, but correct me if I'm wrong, you were also like studying at that time, right, too? Or, and, and how yeah, did you so kind of, yeah, I guess, what made you decide to do that path as opposed to the more traditional one? Yeah, so the, the timeline to give you an idea was like I took a year off uh, between school and uni, but then I, so I wasn't studying during a lot of this, but then towards the end of the year was when I made that switch from private events to more clubs, or at least both. And then I started my degree. Okay. But yeah, the, the thing that gave me the confidence to to pursue like a very untraditional path, aside from still doing uni, was <laughs> that during my gap year, I 
really committed to learning how to DJ. And I remember there was, there was months there when I was doing an hour every day in my bedroom and just recording it, listening to it, showing my friends. I was like very aggressively pursuing improvement in that area. And that obviously, it doesn't give you the confidence by itself. But when I started showing other people and doing events on a small scale, that really started to build. And so like a good example of that would be when I entered a DJ competition through EMAS, which is one of the, the clubs at uni, that I ended up winning, fortunately. And so that was like a really tangible thing that said like, what you're doing is working and other people are recognizing it. It's not just, mm -hmm. um, it's not just something that you have fun doing, it's something that other people can appreciate and that I have you know, potential in, in a sense. It's pretty validating, right? When other yeah. people are like encouraging you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so then that led to a bunch of other opportunities, which I was very grateful to get because of that. And so it really taught me that if I create a goal and I work hard for it for a long time, that there's nothing I can't do. So I don't need this safety net of following a path that people have done before me because I recognize that if I was wanting to do something different and I was willing to work hard, that I could pretty much back myself to get somewhere. Yeah. Now, and that's, you know, it does take a lot of confidence to be able to do that. Did you ever feel like super lost in that journey? And if so, how did you manage those moments and sort of keep going? Yeah, I I will say like the, the uptake of these things was quite organic. I I did know I had a year at this, if to, to speak about that time. Mm. And so I didn't really, I didn't rush myself into it because I was constantly evaluating you know, do I just want to be a DJ? Do I just want to take photos? Do mm. I do I want to do something else? Mm. What do I want to study at the end of the year? And so having that time and that space really was like a huge asset to me because if I went straight into uni, I wouldn't have felt like that and I probably wouldn't have developed all these passion projects on the side because mm. I would have been too busy doing the whole uni thing. Yeah. So that was like a huge asset to me that I would definitely like advise for people younger to say like, Listen, like take stock of where you're at, meet some people, do some new things. Have some fun. Yeah, <laughs> have some fun, yeah. 100%. <laughs> yeah. And then you'll be better for it at the, at the end of the year. Yeah, and I, I like that idea because it's like you don't have to race towards, you know, the finish line like yeah. of, of uni or, or even like your gap year. Like, you know, if, if you want to take longer with that, then like yeah. do it. There's not, yeah, exactly. you, you can kind of um, run with your own timeline. What would you say, because it sounds like you've had some really awesome experiences probably in that time too, what have, what have been sort of like the best or like most exciting parts of that journey of figuring things out? Like are yeah. there any, thing, any moments that come to mind? Yeah, that's a great question. So that DJ competition that I won led to me posting a mix on the EMAS SoundCloud page and someone actually ended up finding that and booking me for an event. Cool. Um, and it was like not... On, on paper, this wasn't an impressive event. It was <laughs> a like a white party in Cottesloe at a house. <laughs> so, and I was I was 18 at the time. So I was like, oh, party sounds great. Like, <laughs> yeah. Where do I sign? Sign me up, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then, um, and so I, I got there and I was meant to be the DJ from 7 to 11 p.m. And then there was actually That's meant to be an, another, well, yeah, but then there was meant to be another DJ after me. But then they they really just liked my music to the point where they told the next guy not to come. <laughs> That's like, a I felt a bit bad for that, but yeah, yeah I, I took the compliment and they just said, we're gonna pay you $100 an hour until you wanna go home. 
And wow. that was like done. Oh my god, this is like insane. So this whole time I'm having such a good time because I'm playing the music that I love. Like this isn't this isn't like a corporate sellout gig. Mm. This is yeah. like what I love to play, like house music that I won the competition with. Mm. So because they found me through such an organic way and just really appreciated like my art and not projecting what they wanted to hear onto mm. me, that was such an unforgettable night. And I think because that happened, like because where I was at in my life during this time really framed the experience as like an incredibly positive thing because mm-hmm. I was just starting right in, in to zoom out. Like I'm just, I'm 18, like just fresh into this. So my expectations were nowhere near as high. <laughs> as they would be now. And so it just blew my mind. This night was just on so like a defining moment in that, you know, other path you took to mm. sort of validate it, right? Exactly. And continue yeah. on that path. Yeah. yeah. I also just like, I can imagine at 18, getting paid $100 an hour for anything is deal. like, that's literally. Big deal. I was, I was <laughs> that's, yeah, that's straight so to the cool. bank. Like, I, I made it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> love, love that. Can you tell us about what was one of the big challenges you faced? you know, in that journey? Because you spoke about a lot of the successes, but what was one of the big challenges that you had to overcome? Or even like still overcoming, (laughs) right? Yeah, I think for me, like I haven't worked for like a a solid employer for like quite a long time. Mm. And with that becomes, comes a lot of kind of chaos unless you really exert like a lot of intentional effort to, to change that. So waking up on a Monday morning during my gap year, I, there was nobody tapping me on the shoulder telling me what to do. So like one of the biggest challenges I faced was like, how do I spend my time the most effectively? Like and I was starting to realize that my attention was really valuable and that um, you know choosing one thing means not choosing another thing. And so constantly taking stock of like, how is this going? How can I use my hours the most effectively was like a really challenging thing because there's no default structure mm. in, in the path that I'd chosen. There's no like syllabus or unit outline or something. No, right? Not exactly. So it was quite daunting just being like, all right, what now? <laughs> yeah, you have to set your own structure. So it's very entrepreneurial. Did you, like when you were younger, did you have an entrepreneurial streak or that's something that developed more after school? I actually, during this time, did a pretty, I wouldn't say I was super entrepreneurial during school, but after school, mm. um, that was actually a huge part of my journey where I wanted to start a locker business at Costa oh, cool. Beach. And I actually did a lot of research, like customer research. I interviewed like 60 or 70 people on the beach, like, yes. <laughs> you know, in the weeds with my with my phone. <laughs> I made like a Google form and then I would yeah. have these conversations and um, type in the answers for them to make it easy. And um, I remember just being like, so unaware of like what I was doing, but I was like having fun and I was meeting people and I was learning new things. So, you know, I um, quoted up like what it would cost to get lockers. I got in touch with the council and I tried, tried to move all these big cogs to like work together and it didn't work out because the council Coastal Counts is crazy. Yeah. They hit me with a like pretty damning like we don't support any business. Full stop. <laughs> wow. And I was like, but have you seen my ten page proposal? <laughs> <laughs> so the seventy people that I talked yeah. to. Yeah, like, yeah, I know. Like I what's talked wrong to the whole summer, like. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
So that was um, that was like that was a bit hard to deal with because I had put like a few months, not, not full time few months, but I had put like a few months of thought into this and I'd started, you know, getting quotes from suppliers and doing, you know, spreadsheets with the predicted revenues and stuff, but it didn't work out. So I had moved on. <laughs> Um, and what uh, that's so interesting, by the way, because it's just like I, I what I've noticed about what you've been talking about is that all those things were just things that you were like curious about or also yeah. like having fun with. Like mm. if you weren't enjoying it, you probably wouldn't have been half as motivated to get up and, yeah. you know, do any sure. of that. So yeah. amazing. And I think it sounds like you're pretty like achievement oriented as well. Like it, it matters to you. What What do you think success looks like for you now? That's a great question. Uh, I will say there's aspects that I'm tr- still trying to figure out, but overall, I think success for me actually, th- the central aspect would be like balance, actually. Mm. I know a lot of people kind of gun it for like the most money in the least time at the youngest age. Yeah. And mm. yeah, yeah, that's not quite it for me. Mm. And so I actually, I intentionally structure my goals around like very different areas so that I'm not all laser focused on one thing. I'm mm. keeping in mind that, you know, I want to be passionate about what I'm doing, but I also want to like contribute to mm. society. I can't just, mm. you know, something like drop shipping doesn't appeal to me because you're, <laughs> you're just not part of an e-commerce man. game. Dylan, <laughs> <right? Yeah. laughs> I know <laughs> missing out, but it doesn't tick that box mm. of like, am I actually improving anyone's life in the process that I'm doing? So, I think balance would be like the main thing for me when mm. I when I think about success in the future. It's you know it's not just being rich. It's being in a loving relationship mm. and spending time with your friends and you know not having to work nine to five every day. Mm. That's yeah. you know I think finding out along along my journey so far, finding out what isn't success mm. has been just as valuable as finding what is success mm. for me. Mm. Well said. There's a very mature like viewpoint for a young person. Mm. I got to say, yeah, that's thank you. That's really impressive. I'm a nerd. What do you want? From <laughs> <me>? <laughs> no, that's really good. Um, You're in the right room. <laughs> I guess like like one final question I had was if someone was listening and they also had like a similar view to you, they wanted to follow like a non-traditional path. Maybe there's pressure on them to do something, but they want to be more entrepreneurial. What advice would you give them? Oh, I think like just get started because. Mm. Like entrepreneurship and that whole mindset of like breaking free of what society or other people expect of you is just all about building your self-confidence. And the sooner you start, the sooner you can make progress on that. You can't dive straight into being successful, but you can do little experiments like Mm. I did with the beach thing. And, you know, even though that didn't work out, that still gave me the confidence to say, like, I can just think of a business Mm. and make meaningful progress towards that objective Mm. just by myself. No outside input. And so um, mm. just get started is like such a powerful thing, I think, because like the sooner you start getting feedback about what you're doing, yep. the sooner you can start to say, look, this is the right thing to do and this is how I can move the needle so that I can actually work towards like a long-term vision of my life that I'm happy with. Yeah, really well said. That's awesome yeah. advice. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing. I know like all of those things are going to help a lot of people out there so we really appreciate you being yeah so honest and for your time thanks so much yeah thanks Dylan. 
that was a great episode with Dylan. I certainly took a lot away. What about you, Liz? Yeah, I think he has such a great story. He's a super interesting guy because he, I loved his definition at the end of success of balance. I actually wasn't expecting it from the rest of his story, but it says a lot about him and his values, I think, because kind of touched on like he you know sets goals and finds structure in his values and and that kind of helps him to stay grounded and balanced like it's not just even though he can make money from what he's doing his goal isn't you know make a killing from this and that's Mm. all I want to do like he's he's driven by his values still which is really cool I think one of his values, which he didn't touch too much on, but he's definitely a really long-term thinker Mm. and he sees the big picture Mm. um, and, you know, just the way that he spoke about sort of doing collaborations, like getting his first gig, DJing Cottesloe was like super validating. But really to get to that point, he had to do a lot of, as he said, like sort of projects and practice Mm. and, you know, really commit to that. Yeah, which is really interesting because I think lots of us, when we finish school, you know, feel like we need a break maybe. But in that break, he made it kind of his mission to like learn more about himself and just, but the way he did that wasn't necessarily through like journaling and like Mm. travel. It was more like, I'm going to practice these. Yeah, it was like, I'm going to practice these new skills and see how it goes. Um, I also really loved that he talked about experiments um, in that, yeah, he, he knew that, you know, I'm not going to find the right path in like, you know, one day. <laughs> mm. I, I, it's actually going to take me to try out different things and for some of them to fail. But it was cool that, you know, those kind of moments gave him that confidence to like keep going and, and kind of back himself, which mm. I, I definitely took away. You know, he's someone that he's really, he's sure of himself now and probably came from all of the mistakes and stuff he made too. Yeah, on the point of adjusting to mistakes and being true to yourself, one thing that a lot of young people struggle with as they transition from high school to after mm. school is the lack of structure that comes mm. with it. And Dylan mentioned that. He said that it was difficult not having the same structure in his gap year as mm. studying, for example. But what he did is he spoke about the idea of like creating structure for himself. Mm. I think it links to this point that's often discussed is you got to keep showing up. Yeah. So when you're your own boss... You have to, you know, set your own tasks and commit to those. Preach. I can definitely relate to that one. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> it's not it's not easy, and, but no. I think that's what's really inspiring about him is that he's kept going and done it anyway, even though it's not the easy path by any means. So love it. I think there's lots we can take away from his story. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to The Lost Button, a podcast helping you figure out your future one episode at a time. If our stories hit home for you today, we'd love for you to leave us a review or share with a friend. Head to our website to get career advice from The Lost Button, sign up to our mailing list for more practical tips or check out Purposeful on Insta to be part of our community. We'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we're recording today, the Noongar people of Wajak country. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Thanks and have an epic day.